11 o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Nick Schwartz with you. Cody Tapp has vanished. Hope everybody's having a great Tuesday. Where do you think he went? I have no idea. What would be the odds on favorite? He's going to slowly walk in about two seconds. And there he is. There he is, waving on the video stream. Well, with, with the uh, news, sorry, just like, he was getting a drink. Plops his oh, head, and he just and he just plops his bathroom, ass down into the chair. Thing. I just didn't. I, I can't hear it. Hear it. Why'd you plop down in the chair like that? Like the most <laughs> violent, trying. loudest way to sit down. Let it go. I'm not gonna let it go. And he walk in with a bag of Doritos and a, and a soda. Pepper. Could that have waited till the next break? It probably could have, <laughs> but I had to go to the bathroom first. Because what's the use now? You're not gonna eat it during the segment. No, it's fine. But you know, I can eat it in the next break. But oh. you could have just got it during the next break. God, I was worried I was going to miss the beginning part of the show because I left my headphones. And then, no, this part instead. Mm. That mm. felt like a quicker break than normal. I agree with you. You know why? Because we had, we had a conversation about something else behind the scenes, so that's why. felt like I had more time than this. But you didn't. Well, I underestimated and now, you. And now look at what you've done. You've thrown off the entire Completely hour Completely derailed the show. Derailed the show? Really? You guys can never recover from this? I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready to recover yet. Coming up in about 20 <laughs> minutes, we'll get to our guillotine league winner. That's right. Our Cody and gold guillotine league wrapped up last week, of course. And uh, we have our winner and we'll tell you who that is and uh, everything that the winner gets as well. So thanks to everybody for joining the guillotine league. We had a ton of fun once again, so we will get to that in just a little bit. We were talking about coaching and cliff Kingsbury being let go yesterday by the Cardinals. And so there's five openings in the NFL. And now you take a look at, uh, potential candidates for these openings, right? And sure. if you are Eric Bieniemy, his name has not been mentioned the same way others na- other names have been mentioned at this point in time. You know, typically at least getting the interviews, that actually hasn't been the case at this point. Listen to even Steve Weish over at NFL Network talk about uh, right now, in particular, the Cardinals' job and why that could be actually a good fit. Eric Bieniemy, you know, we're not hearing his name like we have the past couple of years, and I am watching what the Chiefs have done with their offense this year. If there's anything that he has done to fatten his resume, they get rid of their best wide receiver, they change all kinds of personnel, they add someone like Kadarius Toney midseason, and they have found out how to manipulate and to make, and it's completely redesigned their offense. Yes, Andy Reid is there, but Eric Bieniemy is also there. He's coming from a winning pedigree. And why aren't we hearing his name as much? And maybe it's just us in the media not saying it as much, and maybe it's, it's out there in coaching circles, but I think Eric Bieniemy might be a prime candidate for a position like this if they're starting from scratch and they want to give somebody some time to establish a culture coming from a winning culture and also putting a structure of an offense around a quarterback who might come in late next season but also has a lot of dynamic ability. Haven't heard his name for any of the openings yet. Uh, at some point in time, maybe we'll see some of the interviews, but he has not even been. And we've seen the names mentioned for Texans, the Broncos, and the Panthers already. Yes. I'm not sure we've seen anyone circulate for the Colts, who desperately need to. Uh, the Colts, I think, have one for, uh, interview scheduled with Raheem Morris, okay, uh, so the Rams defensive coordinator. As it sits right now, Steve Weish is right. And unfortunately, what's happening here is exactly what we warned was going to happen. Golden, we said last year that if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a job this year, he's never going to get one. I meant that the problem yeah. is, and the way the NFL works is if you don't get one in a couple of passes, then they start looking at some different name you've never heard of. For instance, one of the names we've heard got an interview is Mike Kafka. Mike Kafka is a new name, a fresh name. Look at him pop up. Uh, Brian Dable one year. That's all it took. He's the new face. He's the fresh face. He's the person who will get interviews with almost every single opening. Eric Bieniemy right now, and this is the problem, is that last year we had said he would have had to take the Broncos' job if offered. I feel the exact same way. If he got offered, and the Broncos have interviewed literally everybody, and Eric Bieniemy's name has not come up once, but he would have to take any job that was offered. I don't care how dysfunctional. If it is the Houston Texans, they are coach, one of yeah. the most, and, and by yeah. the way, we say that, what indication is he given that he doesn't? Right. He's interviewed 30 times over five years. No, I'm, I wasn't saying NFL, it. I was saying no, it like, I know. if he wants to be head coach, yeah, he needs to. He's going to have to take whatever yeah. job is offered. But that's it. Like people NFL. used to say that. Like, are we sure he even wants to be head coach anymore? I'm like, well, he keeps interviewing. Right. Do you like gold? If you wanted to be like a host in national radio, you wanted to be a host. What do you think? You just keep taking interviews for fun? No. If you want the job, you want the job. You don't just like waste your time and their time because you're not interested in being a head coach. For him, it's the stupid NFL notion that like you have to do this in a window because Weish is correct. He added to his resume this year. There shouldn't have been anything Mm -hmm. left to prove, but he proved it, which leaves him where? 
to go be the OC for Pittsburgh, to go be the OC for well, Tennessee. Let's go back. I mean, let, to go be a different team and prove something else somewhere else. Would last, that even get it done? Last offseason, remember Andy and Eric Bieniemy met one on one, and it was the first time, to our knowledge, that that actually was like had happened after a season. Right? They met one on one and to try to decide about like his future, whether that was a good fit for him to continue staying in Kansas City. We don't know what we, we don't know if it was a one year contract. We don't know what the deal was that he signed. Typically, they've been right? rotating one year contracts. Exactly, not, one two year contracts is not super uncommon for coordinators. Right, but that was the last year. It seemed like there's a real there was a real chance that he wasn't going to return. Yeah, for the first time, like a real chance. And of course, he ended up staying. And the offense is the best offense in football, and he he's part of that formula absolutely. And so it'll be interesting. Are we going to go through this same deal again, uh, where? He doesn't get hired, and right now he's not getting interviews. We'll see if that changes. Right now he's not even getting interviews. And let's say the season comes to an end. Is it just assumed automatically he's he's staying, or are we going to have the same conversation, which is, is he better off becoming an OC and a system away from Andy Reid? Here's the thing. I, I don't buy that excuse, though. I think that's a bunch of BS, like the notion that he has to, to separate himself no. from Andy to go get it. He, I mean, that that's ridiculous. My problem is he shouldn't have to, and it's not going to fix it. Because if you were going to hire Eric Binnemi, you were already going to do it. Him going to Pittsburgh. Because Matt Canada, I mean, Mike Tomlin wouldn't even commit to him, so that's probably the end of Matt Canada. And we know Todd Downing, who is the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, just got fired yesterday. So we know that there are really good head coaches in need of a really good offensive coordinator. So Binnemi's decision is now stuck. He has to either let his dream die of becoming an NFL head coach or like maybe he stumbles into one, but it's like five, six years from now. And it's one of those jobs that you really don't want. And you barely got a chance to keep. It's like a lovey Smith opportunity, right? So you either have to let your dream die of becoming. And then if you do that, you have to decide, do I want a new challenge for myself or am I fine being the offensive coordinator for the number one offense in football uh, with Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback? You just have to make that decision. Do I need a fresh challenge? Because that's the thing. I know that it's not that it never happens. But 10-plus year offensive or defensive coordinators for the same organization, that doesn't happen all that often, right? That's just, that's not super common. It's not that it can happen, but it's not super common. I mean, look at Kansas City, and that's the frustrating part. Every other coordinator under Andy Reid has gotten an off, has gotten a head coaching job, just not him. Like, we found all, like all those other students, just not him. Like, and that's, I think that that's the frustrating part. It's weird, though, because just a week ago, we had the article, who was it, Jeremy Fowler? I believe maybe I have the wrong reporter for ESPN that had an article that said he actually is hearing that there seems to be more positive. Yeah. Right. Was him. He was saying there's like more positive uh, thought around Eric PM this postseason or this off season. And yet here we are on winter Tuesday, right? And they're after, just saying that because and, it's the right thing to say in the moment. Right. And here we are though, to this point, I know it's early in the coaching cycle, but this is when the interviews start to get scheduled and Andy, Andy Reed and the chiefs and Eric BNM, they're all on a bye week this week. So you could get these, you could you could do these interviews. You're not allowed to interview wildcard teams until next week. I don't believe there's a rule that says if your team's already on the bye, why why couldn't you interview Eric Bieniemy this week? So it's interesting. Conflicting reports, basically, I guess is what I'm saying. Or one's reality, one's a report. Reality is right now he's not even getting interviews. So Based far. on any of the reporting, we and, haven't seen his name pop for one team. And then the report a week or so ago was that there actually seems to be for the first time some more pot, like something's different this year for Eric Bieniemy. And we asked the question, like, what's different? You mentioned what, what they've been able to do as an offense, sure, but like what would change the mind of the owners that previously weren't willing to hire him? And that's why, unfortunately, if we were betting on him getting a, a head coaching gig or not, we said this a week or two ago, how could you bet that, yes, he would get one? Because we, we, he hadn't Man. got one for the three prior years. There's, there's been no – there's been absolutely no indication that – because by now, this is how it normally works. By now, you either end up with another team – like, you end up as the offensive coordinator for another team, or you end up as a head coach. Those are really it. At this point, Eric Bieniemy is one of the longest-tenured offensive coordinators in the entire NFL. Like, three, four years? That's a pretty good run as an offensive coordinator. He's been on the – it just doesn't It doesn't make sense to me. It continues, because, like, every year I'm just like, is there some reason? Like, is there something I'm missing? Like, are we – you know what it is? Like, are we too close? He is currently, I'm just looking at the list now, he is the longest-tenured offensive coordinator in the entire AFC. As a matter of fact, Eric Bieniemy is the third-longest-tenured offensive coordinator in the entire NFL. The only people who have been in their roles longer than him are 
by and this is default. He's technically second. Kyle Shanahan doesn't technically yeah, have an offensive coach, coordinator yeah, yeah. who's been the offensive de facto offensive coordinator since 2017. Pete Carmichael for the New Orleans Saints. That's it. End of list. End of list. So are you really going to just do this forever? Like, are you just going to be the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs forever? It sucks. 913-586-7610 from the 913. Why does no one think he's the next man up when Andy retires? Sure, we don't know what that is, though, guys. I mean, Does that, he want to wait five, like, six, seven years? It could be, Cody, it could be two years from now. It could be seven years. Yeah. We, so, yeah, I agree. Like, if you're asking me if Andy Reid retired after this season, yeah, sure. Eric, Eric and by the way, the Clark position, would look really bad the, if he the position he's Bien-Aimé. put himself in, uh, Clark Hunt, with his public comments in support of Eric Bieniemy. if Andy retired at the end of this season. And they didn't go um, in? I mean, I mean. <laughs> but that's the problem. I mean, that would, what a mess that would be. It, he sh- but he also shouldn't have to wait. Yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe he would. Maybe that's his only chance to be a head coach now is to wait six years for Andy Reid to retire or 10 years for Andy Reid to retire and still be kicking around. But again, I'm telling you, like when I say it doesn't happen very often, just go to the Wikipedia page for the current offensive coordinators in the NFL and look at their hire date. They're all in the last two years. He's the second longest tenure, third if you include Kyle Shanahan, which honestly is a bit of a stretch. Because normally you're either fired because you suck or you get hired. (laughs) That's usually from somebody else as a head coach. Or teams just turn over a fresh leaf. You know, like sometimes it's. Well, because the coach, because your head coach that you're on the staff with gets fired is what I'm saying. Like you're you're either doing so well that you get another job or your head coach that you're the OC for gets fired. Like one of the guys who has to worry about this is Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore, for some reason, didn't get a head coaching job this year, he'd be almost as long as tenure as Eric Bieniemy, and then his name would stop coming up as much. And then if your name stops coming up as much, then you're not as desirable. And their offense has struggled more this year. Like, the longer you stay in the same spot, the less likely it's going to be. He would technically have even a, even a small mm-hmm. percentage, better chance of becoming an NFL head coach if he went to go coach Kenny Pickett next year. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's definitely stupid that that's the system at play. But that is the system at play. With, with EB, I feel like new excuses, though, are made every offseason. Oh, yeah. They you move know? the goalposts so on him, NFL it, teams, it, all the time. Because he could go and do Unfair. that, what we've discussed, which is, you know, leave the organization, be an OC somewhere else, and and, and be effective and prove that you can do it. be the with, play caller. And, and prove whatever, you yeah. can do it without Andy, right? Because that's been the big knock. Well, can he do it without Andy? Okay, you go and do that. Someone will, as you said, move the goalpost. Someone will come up with new criteria that people continually come up with new criteria for Eric Bieniemy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't believe, I don't believe he's getting a head coaching gig because why would I at this point? Show me one team that's interviewing him, and maybe I'll change my opinion. But at this point, I haven't even seen him be requested for an interview by another team. This is the third year in a row you and I have had these very, very yeah. similar conversations. Yeah, I mean, right around this time, every year, last three years since we've been doing the show. He'll talk next week at the podium, and someone will ask him about it. And he'll obviously deflect, and understandably so, because he'll want to talk about the game, yeah. right? And that's what he—that's the—that's because usually he's a how good he, leader. Yeah, and so it sucks. It definitely does. All right, uh, we'll get to our, our guillotine league winner coming up in about six minutes or so. Yesterday, the new coaches poll and AP poll came out for college basketball. All three local schools are ranked uh, in the top twenty. Yeah, K K State up to eleven. That's crazy. KU is in the top five. Missouri is what twenty second in the country. Yeah, the AP or coaches poll. Uh, I think coaches 22. I okay, think AP 20. Either way, they're all in the top 20. How about that? Sure. And I think Jerome Tang should be in the running for national coach of the year. And right now, if the season ended to me, he's my He'd coach of the year. I would be my coach of the year at this point in time. I understand we've talked a lot about what Dennis Gates is doing at Missouri, and he's done a remarkable job. He's the difference in the is Tang's well. doing it in the Big 12. I, I, I think that's what it is for me, and that, that's exactly right. And I've also seen two big road wins from Jerome Tang's squad. Last week, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but two big road wins, yeah. Texas and, and Baylor. And so to me, he would be the coach of the year right now, and I think what he's done is slightly more impressive. We're talking about two guys that are in their first year that have been very impressive, but I, I think Jerome Tang is is doing a more impressive job at this point. He's 14-1. and one. The two wins on the road in the Big 12, the best conference in college basketball by far. It's even better than normal Big 12 standards this yeah. year. All by 10 all, teams by all will have an argument for the tournament at the end of the year. And it sets up a huge game a week from tonight in K-U-K Manhattan. State. A Sunflower Showdown basketball game that could have, by the time we get there, two top 10 teams, top eight maybe. We'll see where everything pans out. I, you know, there's a couple of schools in action tonight locally, of course. K-State, what, Okie State tonight, and KU's got Oklahoma. So we'll see how the and week goes. And you know goes. any Big 12 game is a loss. But like that, that K-State, don't show up. KU game's been sold out already for like a week or so, I think, or for four or five days uh, prior to. But now, I mean, that's going to be a ridiculous atmosphere next, next Tuesday. I Manhattan. think it's such a weird spot. I always feel like this is like the part of – professional versus collegiate athletes that I don't particularly like. Let's say you're a, whatever team you are, 
you're one of the the not established entities of the NFL. You're the Cardinals. You're the Panthers. If you find a legitimately great head coach, you could keep them. Nobody takes them away from you. Like now, K State at the end of the season, if it keeps going this way, they got to off. They got to put some huge buyout in front of Tang. Brand new contract, yeah. Only just to hope that if somebody steals him, at least you recoup some money on it because they found one. Like, I know that we normally like to wait till the end of the season for these, but clearly K-State and Missouri did an excellent job, finally, in fairness, in the hiring process. Bruce Weber was not a bad hire. Bruce Weber was a perfectly fine hire who kept your, who kept you in the running for NCAA tournament appearances, who had one good tournament run. Like, there's no shame in having a guy like Bruce Weber do it, but you did so much better than that to the point, the fact that, unfortunately for you, the reason why Jeff Goodman predict, predicts that Jerome Tang will be the Texas Longhorns' next head coach is because they haven't, because their head coach got in a lot of trouble. And now they got an opening, and Jerome Tang starts to look very appealing. Although yesterday, somebody was reporting that they might go after John Calipari as Things well. Things in Kentucky are a mess right now. Yeah, they are. And you could just, for the first time, go reach across. But it's just, I like it because for the, we've done this show for three years. Like this, like weirdly enough from like, but just from like a caring about college sports perspective, we've done the show for three years and only honestly, only one team's ever mattered. K-State's been passable. They've had some runs, but they've, you know, but, but we always knew in the back of your head, like, okay, it's fine. But they, I mean, if they're going to play like this all year, then they're a national championship contender. Like it's too early now for that. But as 11th ranked team in the country, Joe Lenardi, who already is putting out NCAA tournament projections, has them a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. They are, you know, like they have one loss in what is the toughest conference in all of college basketball. They got a huge, another top 10 matchup in college basketball against Kansas next week. Like there's so much on the line for all three of these. Like if Missouri's going to start being, they were the, they weren't as bad as like Kansas football, but they were, they were bordering on over these last five years, laughingstock in college basketball. They were bad. They were just bad, bad every year. No chance to make a tournament. No hope of being any good. And when they got boat raced by Kansas, I'm like, oh, they're a paper tiger. Like that's not going to be anything. And yeah, they Jerome, bounced back uh, significantly. Jerome Tang, I uh, case that he's willing to adapt to the way college basketball has gone, right? Which is this idea of free agency every season and transfer portal, right? So I think that that's why uh, they're also having, I think, success. You know, there was the prior regime, wasn't a huge fan of the transfer portal and the way college basketball was going. And if you're going to be competitive you in a Power 5 conference, you have to accept that and adapt. Drum Tang has taken advantage of that with, with some guys he's brought in, and they're just fun to watch too. So it's nice to have all three local schools extremely competitive. It's very early in the season, but when you start looking at all these teams, 14 wins for K-State already, Missouri I think has 13 wins. You start looking at the conferences they're in, like, all three local schools, barring a major collapse, are going making to the, the NCAA tournament. tournament, which is really cool. And this year, if you're high enough seed, and it looks like, you know, to guarantee preference, you got to be a one or a two seed to guarantee where you're going. Because uh, we know the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight is at T-Mobile here in Kansas City. Now, for that for that to come together, they're going to have to all be top, you know, three seeds or whatever. And if Kansas is the one, they're not going to put three seed K-State or if four seed Kansas Missouri. is the two, they're probably yeah. not going to screw over the one in their conference and put it in Kansas Correct. City either. Yes. Yeah. It's very, uh, very, very likely the way things are trending that one of the local schools is heading to Kansas City, and I'm still going to guess that'll end up being uh, that'll end up being KU. All right, so Guillotine League wrapped up last week, actually, even though there was a little delay because of, of course, the cancellation of the Bills and, and Cincinnati game. So if you guys aren't familiar, Guillotine League, all the way back in August while we were up at training camp, we went ahead and offered up spots. People put together, uh, we'll call them somewhat bribes to a certain extent, but offered up things for the, the winner. Some of those items included like a top golf gift card, right? A champion's dinner where the winner of the league gets to pick the menu for everybody else. It's like the master's we're, we're dinner. A chef offered that up. Obviously, within reason, we're going to have a cool dinner. Uh, what else? We had a, a, a Lynn Dawson football, I believe. I brought in this um, Jody Fortson autographed <laughs> photo. That's right. That's right. So and we I have, hope you're a big Jody Fortson fan. So we have our winner. The price is right. 140 points in week 17. Knocked off defending champ. Casey Kurt, who even if Josh Allen would have played, still would have lost by quite a bit. He ended up losing with 82 points. But, of course, we know the, the full game. Jamar Chase and Josh Allen didn't have those points. So he probably would have lost no matter what. But it would have been a little bit closer. Either way, 
Uh, congrats to everybody that was in the league, but congrats. Nick Price, what's up, man? Hey, uh, happy to be here, first of all. You know, first year in the guillotine league. I honestly, Which means you're going to be the second year. The defending champ oh, gets, gets automatic admission. Absolutely, and I'd love to have <laughs> you guys out to Jefferson's again hey, for yeah. the draft next year. Um, you know, I think I win a Jefferson's prize pack, too. So you're going to give it awesome. to yourself? Yeah. You're we'll take awesome. it, I guess, if you don't yeah, want I it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I'll donate that back to you guys because, right. you know, Perfect. I'm just a, I'm a really humble guy, and I'm a humble winner <laughs> here. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go, Nick. Um, no, I mean, honestly, your team, by the time it got to the end, man, was was stacked. Obviously, for those that don't play, you, you get X amount of money to use the players. When someone gets eliminated, when Cody or me or Nick got eliminated, those players become available. So their strategy, do you want to risk saving some money? How did you approach? You ended up with Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, Barkley, McLaurin, C.D. Lamb, James Conner, Devonta Smith, T.J. Hawkinson as your starting lineup that got you the win. Yeah, um, to be honest, I didn't know how this worked, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really know. This was my first year in the league. I didn't know how much you actually wanted to bid on people. So yeah. I had Trey Lance as my starting quarterback. Ooh. He went down in week three, and I had Zach Wilson, who was oh. Zach Wilson, you know, and he was hurt at the time anyway. How but, did you even survive this yeah. long? Oh, my gosh. Like, this was – it, it was a calls. really stressful first few weeks, but – then I dumped 600 bucks on Mahomes because I thought oh, that that was a reasonable bid. Apparently, I could have gotten him for 300. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so didn't I, matter. I didn't have any money left for like the last six weeks of the season. Wow. I was sweating it out because I only had Mahomes and I had Hawkinson as my tight end. I didn't have a backup for either position, and I couldn't pick anybody up. So, you know, luckily we were able to avoid injuries and we were able to just keep on pressing forward. But you know, it was super fun. I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, honored to be a part of this prestigious league here. That's right. What, That's what right. are you thinking about for your champion's dinner? Oh, what kind man. of menu are we, you considering for this? Because we have a chef right. that said, within reason, he'll put together with you a menu and invite some listen. we got to figure out a venue or something. I don't know, but we'll work on that. I mean, I probably have a venue. That Perhaps. We maybe use. Jefferson's. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Jefferson's. Uh, maybe not chicken wings for this dinner, you know. <laughs> I get, I get, get enough, enough of that already, but... You know, maybe like uh, maybe some surf and turf, ooh, something like ooh, that, you know, OK, OK, because I mean, I eat sports bar food like for 14 meals a week. So <laughs> something that's a little bit elevated from that, maybe maybe a little steak, maybe a little lobster or something that like that. Nice. You know? Wow, lobster. It's within reason. Yeah. You might right? have to chip in a little we'll bit and help this guy to, out we'll have to talk to the chef. here. Well, yeah. Bit. I mean, you know, I obviously, you know, I'm rich now because I think the prize <laughs> is, you know, astronomical. <laughs> here. I even, so much money. Yeah. Right. There's actually no cash prize associated with it. It's just things. That's cool. It's just things like I mean, the Lynn Dawson football, which we don't have in person yet. And that this is going to be worth a lot of money. How much do you want for it? I'll, I'll buy it off. I'll take it off you right now. He's going to buy his prize immediately. He wants your Jody Fortson photo. Think about how much Nick wants it before you ask. Well, because the, the guy that you were facing in the championship game, if I remember correctly, is the one who gifted that prize. Wow. Was, so, Nick, I want to let it be known I was rooting for him because if he would have won, then he wouldn't have taken it back, and I think I could have just taken That's it. That's what he said. He said, he actually mm. said that. He said, if if I win, Nick can have the Jody um, Fortson autograph. I, ooh, but, Nick, think, but Nick Price won, so you're stuck. Nick, I think you start. No. Nick Price, you start the price right. at 88 bucks. It's his number, and it, you know Nick likes Jody Fortson. I think that's fair, first of all, and I think that you know there's so much untapped potential with Jody. That, True. I mean, that's a steal. That's True. a steal right I think there. So, Nick, 88 bucks. Make it happen right now. I'm, we can broker this no, right now. Let's not. Don't don't, don't pressure me. You I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give you my Venmo you after the show. You can't even spend 88 bucks on your guy. Well, I got to do some research to figure out what these prints are going well, no, for. No, don't don't do that. Well, no, don't it's not. That. It's not about what it's valued yeah, at it's now. You, it's what it's worth to you. It's what it's going to be worth to you, and what it's going to be worth in 15 years when Jody's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, when he's getting his gold jacket. That's what we're looking. Put him up in that Ring of Honor. Then what will it be worth? This way more than 88 bucks. This is an investment. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> this is an investment. I'm investing right here. in Jody Fortson. <laughs> hey, what's your retirement plan, Nick? Jody Fortson autographs. Can I just show them the <laughs> just photo. Completely, don't Google because I don't want you to find out how much a signed mini helmet of Jody Fortson goes for. I don't want you to know that. Don't look that up. Uh, so just go ahead and pay the 88 bucks to Nick for the photo. Right. Wait, stop telling me what to do, though. You know what I mean? I just wouldn't do Eight, it, man. Okay, 88 bucks, mm -hmm. and then I'll throw in the Jefferson's prize pack back to you. Ooh. We don't even know what that is. It's such like a mystery prize. No, I know. I did, I, I, honestly. <laughs> so you were going to have to Fried figure pickles. it out. If somebody else won, you're like, I don't know. Some no, wings. I, I was just like, yeah, I'll do something for Fried sure. Fried pickles and corn nuggets. 
jalapeno cheese bites and 10 wings. No yeah. side, though. I can't do it. <laughs> I need the fries. I need the fries, Nick. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just not worth it. I'll give you an so extra we'll, sauce, too. So we'll do guillotine league again next year, but you're, you're already in now. Yeah. You're already, you, you won, so you're in. Everybody else that's listening that was in it, again, it's going to start all over again. We'll make some tweaks, but we'll, uh, we'll work on the champion's dinner. We'll have to get, get figured out. on. Right. Uh, on I won't spend $600 on another player next year, so watch out. Oh, so now, oh, wow. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to go back to back. Are any of us on the show ever going to actually win this thing? We've well, never very, even made it to the end. I mean, am, to I, win, am I the first person from 610 to win this thing? Yeah, yes. okay. absolutely. I mean, that's that's yeah. an honor. You know, I think I did deserve a raise. It's only the second for year my we've sports done knowledge. It. You now can, Inspector? You, as part of your prize, you can choose if you now want Nick Schwartz's job. You can just replace him. We'll just keep saying Nick on the air, but... You Nick's, have his job. Wait, you're gonna fire me? Nick's had a rough week. <laughs> uh, Nick Schwartz has. We've 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 interviewed last week his re- potential replacement in the future, and now you're just trying to get him fired immediately. Hey, but at least he'll have a Jody Fortson signed. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really good retirement plan. He can sell plan. that to yeah, pay his right. rent. I'm just gonna go to. I'm gonna go to the Barbados with that picture. And Might as well <laughs> kick my feet up. All right, you nice can, frame. You can. You can get the Jody Fortson autograph for less than the eighty-eight dollars from Nick, but stop negotiating on behalf for, of him. What is your guys' but, deal? But for before the on-air purposes, you have to go to a pawn shop and try to convince him that that's worth two hundred and fifty dollars. No, I'm not doing that. And then we split it. Wait, I have to go to a pawn shop and then I have to split the winnings with you. Yeah, this is the worst. <laughs> this these are all horrible deals from for me. You want the Jody Fortson photo? Yeah, but to what? You know, what's the price? You know, and I'm not just talking monetarily. I'm not going the price to price has shop. to be right. Right. He's not going to just give it to you. Do you think you can just get the, the price Jody has Fortson to be autograph? right, dude? I worked really, really hard I for just, this. You guys are just going to let that really one slide. I just, I just Googled autograph Jody Fortson. Shut autograph. up. As far Shut as I can up. Tell, go to break. Go to break. We got to go to break. Okay. Got to go to break. Good to see you, Nick. Congratulations. Hey, thank you guys. Dude, Looking forward to winning it next year. What the hell are you doing, <laughs> man? Save the break for your chips. You got to open the bag. He's diving in. Oh, my God. For your cool range you had 30 Rio. seconds. 30 more it. seconds. It'll be fine. No one will care. As someone pointed out, yeah, real soda weight loss, as in soda now is what you're eating and you drinking at this me. point. Text line's correct. Up next, we get back to the Chiefs. Is Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete for asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance? Gan Asphalt and Concrete, one contractor, all things parking lot, trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Royals first baseman slash NFL insider Vinny Pasquantino this football season with Cody and Gold. My Twitter is about to unload of football <laughs> tweets. First Jets game that I have free on Sunday. It's, it's go time. 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. All right, it is the Chiefs Red Half Hour, brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way. At the all-new Greenway Ford, reminder, it's a Tuesday, so at 1 o'clock in the 1 o'clock hour, Nate Taylor from The Athletic going to join us in the studio. Thanks again to uh, to Nick Price. Congrats, Nick Price, winner of our guillotine league. Nick's happy, too, because Nick now doesn't have to have the camera on him the rest of the show, so he can eat. You're thinking about you and your Doritos and eating. Nick can eat, and nobody will know. Well, I was planning thing. on coming and getting it, like, here is... Do you want me to bring it to you? Don't act like you didn't just talk <laughs> I was to me. Do you want me to bring it to you? No, why you would, host of the show. Yeah, I'll would, come get it. Why okay. would you? I was being nice. Why would you turn your mic oh, off and okay. go and bring the camera? Yeah, I mean, you can probably talk for 30 seconds. But why did I you just think, go in there? Why did you think that I couldn't just come get it? You can. I was just trying to be nice. Really? That's it. You were just trying to be nice. Yes. At the end of every show, we break these cameras down, and I go in there, and I help Nick get the camera or get the computer, even though he could carry them out, because I want to be nice. Okay, I don't feel okay. like it should just be on you to move okay, things but, around. I was trying to be polite. But, Cody, do you understand that that gesture, in a way, is offset by you then going on the air and talking about how nice it was of you to do that? I wasn't going to talk about that. I was just saying you asked why I would move the camera, and I said to be nice. 
Yeah, but then you then you furthered it by saying because but then look you at said, all these other examples of me being nice. Oh, you made me because I did you not said make you. you forced me into that because you said, "Oh, you're just going to do something to be nice." Like that was grotesque. Like no one could just do something during out of the, the show. Of their though, heart. During the show, like that you host. I mean, the first name on the of this show is Cody, <laughs> and you're like, "I'm going to take off 30 seconds, let Gold do this while I go and hand Nick He'd a camera." Fine. He'd have been fine. Gold looks completely disinterested. <laughs> Being a part of this conversation. I'm just letting you guys go back and, and, and yeah, I'm just we'll passing back hey, and forth. Classic we'll winner at half hour. Who wins? Oh, in this argument, I would definitely say it's actually a win for Cody. So. Wow. What the hell? He never sides with me. This is a huge day for me. Can I get some like party sounds or something? Like a celebratory music? You want a cel- You want a song? <laughs> is that really what you want? Kinda. Be nice. Fine, we can just move on to the Chiefs right after. Ah. Big win for me. Are you happy? It feels good. Alex said, in this side of the argument, I am the winner. This is a long-term play for me, Nick, okay? It's a long-term play. <laughs> That's why I said that. It's a, it's a long-term play. There's you reasons. can't be accused of ever <laughs> it's a long-term just play. siding it's, with Nick. It's a long-term play. All right, let's talk some Chiefs football, though, because, you know, last year was all the discussion about the draft class and how effective it was, but then you fast-forward, and now it's another regular season, at least, in the books, and hopefully three more games to come for the Chiefs. But this draft class, two first-round picks. We know they traded up to go get Trent McDuffie, who, despite even missing part of the season, looks like a really stable, at minimum, solid corner. Maybe has a chance to continue to elevate. But at minimum, a really solid top corner for this football team. We know they have Karloftis, who all of a sudden, in the last six, seven weeks, looks like the real deal. We all said average stack total. For a guy that gets drafted 28 to 32, about three or three and a half, he's done that in the last two and a half, or excuse me, in the last three weeks. Which, I mean, this is this is a reason not only for the postseason to be optimistic, but that draft pick, of course, is about the long-term success of what Karloftis can be, and that pick looks awfully good, awfully good, even more so in the last four or five weeks. That one looks as good as any of them, and you know how high I was on McDuffie at multiple points this season when I thought they could be their corner but the key to these two is how it fundamentally changes how you get to do business this offseason without taking a downslide. It means you have a choice in paying Legereus need. You can still pay him, and I'm okay with that. But you don't have to, Gold. Price gets too high, he can go the ways of Charverius Ward. Another player they let go, by the way, who Pro Football Focus ranked as the sixth highest rated corner this year. They didn't see a drop-off in their cornerback play. They just went to Snead and McDuffie and Williams and Watson. Because of the draft they just had, they don't have to spend big money on a corner again this year if they don't want to. Just so you know, almost every other team has to spend money on that position. That's just one of the positions you pay. And with Karloftis, it's the same thing. It can change a little bit to me exactly where you want to target it. We already know they're going to pay Mahomes, but now you get a decision. Do you want to pay Snead and a couple of other guys? Do you want to bring in a big-priced uh defensive end to go opposite Karloftis, you could do that. Obviously, Chris Jones is going to need payment in some form, or do you just want to pay him the $30 million he's owed next year? You can afford all of those things on the books right now because of getting this draft right. This is the single best draft of the Brett Feach era. Now, it, I guess it should be. He'd never had this many quality picks altogether. In letting go of Tyreek, it kind of feels like it better be. Like, I think that's what I like about it. This was pressure to be on. You traded Tyreek Hill. That's why you had more draft assets than you've ever had. So it better be your best draft ever. You got two first-round picks, two second-round picks. You got a pick in the third that even after you traded one, you still had a pick in the third because you had a coach leave or you had a, a, a guy in your staff leaving, Ryan Poles, go to Chicago. So you had all this extra asset. It needed to be his best, and it was. There are only two players on the field right now that I think you have legitimate questions about whether or not they're going to have a, a good role for the team going forward. One is Sky Moore because we just get an incomplete grade kind of for the way this year went. And the other is Nazee Johnson. The third, just be clear, one of three seventh-round picks. The other two, I am already penciling in a role for the team. Do you realize how stupid that sounds? Two of his three seventh-round picks are going to do it, so I don't care about Nazee Johnson. doesn't matter. It's not important. Leo Chanel looks like he's got a place. Brian Cook's got a place. The only guy I don't know about their role going forward is Sky Moore. Everyone else has a place on this team. Everyone can't be a starter. 
and he might have found starters, good starters, maybe Pro Bowl level starters at two very important positions. This this continues to to make you feel good about the future, not only with these guys right now, but what they're going to have to continue to do as an organization when you have the amount of money that you're going to have locked up consistently with the best quarterback on Patrick Mahomes right now. We know this deal actually looks really, really good, but we're probably either this offseason if Mahomes wins the Super Bowl uh, and maybe next offseason, but I think there's a chance it has to happen this offseason where they're going to have to redo his current contract. So they're, that, that dollar amount will go up. Right now it's a really good deal. That dollar amount goes up. They might have to take care of Chris Jones, uh, maybe have to figure out what they're going to do with Orlando Brown Jr. The reason why I bring up those names, those are guys that are going to take a huge chunk of your salary cap. So how do you make up for that? You find guys on rookie deals that are able to play. Yeah, Brian Cook's Thornhill, so you don't have to pay Thornhill. Correct. You know, you yeah. you decided not to play Charvarius, pay Charvarius Ward. So you go and you draft Trip McDuffie. Rookie deal. Looks like the real deal himself. You're going to have to maybe pay Snead. Well, okay, you can pay one of those guys. Looks like that'll be happening this offseason. You know, how, how are you able to avoid um, paying veterans for non-premium positions how about you get rookies at those non-premium positions that in play over over maybe what you even thought they could be as as the, those of us on the outside, right? You know, you 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 and I go back and forth about premium position versus non-premium position. Obviously, linebacker is not a premium position. You don't want them to go sign a veteran on on a on a middle linebacker. So guess what? You got Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Nick Bolton, by the way, who set the franchise record for tackles on Sunday yeah. and, and for the season. You got those guys on rookie contracts. That's how you're able to go and pay at the premium positions, even if you're not able to draft as well at those as some people have expected you to. You know, the, the knock is that, well, you haven't been able to go and draft up until Carl Loftus in the first round, you know, finding a legitimate pass rusher and all this. Well, you can spend money at those other positions if you're able to evaluate the non-premium positions also and, and get guys that are effective starters and in some cases, as you said, pro bowlers, if not all pros. Is it becoming um, almost impossible to not make the argument that Brett Feach is the best GM in all of the NFL? He's certainly top three if he's not the best, yeah. What's the argument for not the best? He let go of a pro bowl. He let go of an, an all-pro caliber wide receiver. He's not I'm making... just happy we can stop talking about Breland Speaks. You know that. You know, I, you know that. I, I, the Breland Speaks, I'm just glad we can stop talking he about Breland He needed to Speak. get a defensive end that mattered to that point. And look, Dan is having a, 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 a decent year. Like, for me, it's like find, finding rotational defensive ends. Okay, that's part of your job. And he was having a hard time doing that. But you occasionally have to find quality, high-quality defensive ends. And that was why probably Breland Speaks kept coming up. Doesn't have to anymore. Look, he could have a busted corner. He could have had a busted corner this year in Trent McDuffie. And it'd been hard-pressed to be like, I don't know, Brett Veach can evaluate corner. Like, what do you mean? Every corner he brings in works. They all work. But right now, what, like, to me, it's like when you're saying best general manager in the NFL. You're like, all right, well, I need him to be a really good drafter. You're pretty good there. I need him to be good with the salary cap so they're not constantly running into trouble. Don't see any issues here. I need him to be able to do prudent things in the free agent market because they're going to be near the top of the salary cap because of how good the team is. I need him to do smart, prudent things in the salary cap. Those all look like hits this year. And then I need him to make effective trades because that's the last part of this. And then right now we feel good about that one because right now the Kadarius-Tony trade feels like it's going to work out. But don't you think uh, you have to, with Veach specifically, don't you have to look at his career in sort of eras like this is a new era for him and now that your quarterback is no longer on a rookie deal you have to manage a roster much differently than you did the first five years you were in KC I think his adjustment to having to do that was trading Tyreek Hill yeah you know I mean I think that was the adjustment and to this point again in the year that everybody had discussed even locally not as much of the the ridiculous national stuff which was you know the Chiefs not going to win the division but locally we acknowledge that maybe there was a chance they would take a half a step back that didn't happen they're the number one seed by mile. They, they they have by a, the, no, best the best odd, offense by mile yeah the best offense yeah and they have best odds to win the Super Bowl right now entering the playoffs doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl but they have the best odds they are the favorite entering the postseason if I would have told you that in August uh, there's a lot of people that would have maybe rolled their eyes at that or laughed and so the fact that they were able to still put together a roster capable of winning a Super Bowl, which this roster is capable of, doesn't mean they will, and yet they're better position long-term because of that adjustment, uh, it speaks to the job that he's done. I would say, if you're like really ranking GMs, I would say not just because they're both the number one seeds right now, but Howie Roseman and Brett Veach are probably the two best general managers in the NFL. Howie Roseman's with the Eagles, 
and they've obviously done a great job. They got they got top picks with the with the quarterback. How long now has he been out. there? A very long time, right? I don't even know. Yeah. But very and he long gets time. the win of the Carson Wentz. Like you know, it's hard for Veach because. The Tyreek trade, 2010, so twelve years, yeah, twelve years. The Tyreek trade clearly worked out for Miami. I mean, they're they're getting what they paid for in Tyreek Hill, but I mean, the Chiefs with those picks have gotten more than their value. You know, they've gotten their value back. Well, yeah, but I think again, it's yes. So far, everything that you just laid out about this draft class, about Tyreek Hill, everything that's happened in the last twelve months, Brett Veach is coming up aces. But again, like. We're going to judge him based off of what he did with Mahomes on the rookie contract, which you, you would give an A-plus for, right? Sure. Yeah. You got a Super Bowl out of it. So I think that's basically what it's going to come down to. Not just this year, but over the neck, over the, the remaining life of that contract for Mahomes and this era, which we know is going to be defined by Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones, like what you do over the next two to three years is really going to determine I think how we're going to look back at this era of Chiefs football. Look, we can go back and nitpick, like you'd mentioned, Breland Speaks or Clyde Edwards Alaire, some of the ones that obviously yeah. did not go well. For and you are them. you are not going to hit on every single one, even though the last two years it feels like yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the last two years, <laughs> yeah, the success rate is kind of unfair. That's going to do it. But like, I, I get your point, Nick. Where the the only difference is with general managers. We do a lot less ring counting, if that makes sense. We put that more on Mahomes and Reed. And honestly, I think that's fair. I don't think you should be going out firing GMs because you they your, don't get the yeah, That's how you keep your job, though. Like, look at what, and, and not even ring counting, but just competing for it's, Super Bowls. Yeah, look play, at consecutive what, playoff appearances and actually being not getting yourself into cap I mean, Look at what Roseman like has done going yeah. back to 2010. That, Andy Reid was still there when he took over, and he has yeah. navigated multiple iterations of that team, whether it was Carson Wentz drafting a guy, getting to the Super Bowl, like him being an MVP candidate, to now having to sort of tear down that offense, rebuild it with Jalen Hurts around this running game. It's two completely separate teams that he has basically so, built. Well, the good contenders. news is it's much easier for Brett Veach than what you just described with Roseman because Brett Veach is never going to have to rebuild the quarterback position. Right, he might eventually have his, to go find him a But coach, he is paying but. his quarterback much more than Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts were making when, you know, right now when they're competing for Super Bowls. That's, I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different because the way you navigate roster construction – is much different when you've got a quarterback making $40 million. Which is looking like from a time standpoint. Yeah. Looks like Brett Veach is the 15th longest tenured general manager in the NFL. There's still 14 guys who've had their job longer than him. Steve Kime was just ahead of him, but obviously now he's out. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to ever pass Jerry Jones. I know his son is. Jerry Jones is basically the GM. He's been, <laughs> been a GM of that organization yeah. with the Cowboys for, uh, for, from day one. But it's one. funny about GM. Like, you mentioned like you have to win a championship to keep your job. Not if you're like Mike Brown in Cincinnati. He's been the general manager for 40, 30, 30, 40 years there. Gets to keep his job. He's got no Super Bowls. But they're not, they were very rarely in their run a laughing stock, if that makes sense. They were a, 80% of the time, they were a competitive franchise. Now, it required them getting the number one overall pick twice in order to do that in both, you know, like Carson Palmer was his pick and Joe Burrow. But at least he knows the value of when you're losing and you're at the top of the draft, take a quarterback and move on from there. I think Brett Veach won't ever feel that real heat. And honestly, if he ever gets to a second Super Bowl ring, he's going to be bulletproof. He'll only leave this job if he chooses to. He will be bulletproof. I think we've said it a couple times with, and it all is connected with Andy Reid as well, you know, that um, where the only time it ever, for, for everybody involved, where it would ever get dicey uh, yeah. is the day that you have a head coach and that hire doesn't work out, the, the next head coach, whenever, whoever that is, whenever Andy decides to retire, and what that hire is slash relationship with Mahomes and whether or not things go south there, right? That, that'd be the only time you would ever have to worry about that. But as long as it's Reed, Mahomes, and Veach, you, 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 you don't. You don't have anything to, to worry about. Uh, the Broncos, unfortunately, they have all three to worry about for quite some time, it looks like. Uh, not only is it 15 straight uh, wins head-to-head, -head, but again, Mahomes and this group not going anywhere anytime soon. The Broncos, once again, looking for a new head coach. They're already doing a Zoom interview reportedly with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan. They're casting a very wide net for their coaching search. And I, I don't know why a backup offensive lineman, <laughs> essentially, for the Broncos was talking yesterday. Members of the media, they were cleaning out their lockers there in Denver, like any team that's not making the postseason sure. does. Because that's kind of – people probably don't realize that. You've been in the, the locker rooms right it's after a season. Like it – it ends quick. Like, get the hell out, basically. Pack up your things and The get next out. day you show yeah. up, and yeah. they are actively packing their yeah. stuff up as you are speaking to them about okay. the ending so, of their season. So that's where the context of 
why this player was being interviewed because they probably some of the other players were probably not available, so they talked to this guy and they asked him about the the Chiefs and they asked him about what was kind of going on in their season. And li- listen to this answer; it just tells you how much the Chiefs are living in the head of Broncos players. This is uh, what Quinn Marins. Have you ever heard this guy before? Yesterday, no, I honestly hadn't. Okay, I said it before. I'm I'm sick of losing to the Chiefs. That is like. My number one goal that I'm like have like looking at every day is I really want to beat them. Um, I'm gonna say it because it's it's one on my on my chest. The fact that they did that little ring around a rosy play against the Raiders like genuinely like like pissed me off, and I'm I'm just excited for that for that day and for that moment. And that's one of the things that I'm preparing for going into next year. That's a Broncos player. His goal. Isn't anything other than finally beating the Chiefs. Just That's once. It. He didn't That's even care goal. if they do anything else. Just beat the Chiefs one time. That'd be fine. And he's commenting on a play that didn't even involve his team. And he's worried about the Chiefs having a little fun and flair to their offense. Unbelievable. Also, I don't th- wait a minute. It worked. The play worked. Can we just, I'm not trying to get, I'm you're not the trying Denver to. Denver guy, you're right. You are, you're, you go Listen, to Denver more than us. Are you defending us. this guy? Here's what I'm saying is he didn't say anything other than what I'm sure everybody in that locker room is thinking, which is we hate the Chiefs. They kick our ass every year. I hate them. I actually appreciate the honesty. He wasn't saying don't do it. You should never do it. It was disrespectful. All he said was it pissed me off. And if I were a Broncos player, I would be pissed off too because we can't run basic offense. They're doing ring around the rosy stuff and getting touchdowns (laughs) off of it. I would be pissed too. Yeah, it pissed him off. I think it was just like honest. I think he was being transparent. Like, yes, this team owns us and it pisses me off. They're annoying to me. Yeah, but to me that's the problem though. If the Chiefs are that much in your head though, to where a play and a game not involving your team, you're that's like top of mind. Like you, he recognized that play that didn't count. By the Dude, way, that's that is the foothold the Kansas City Chiefs have yeah. over the Denver Broncos right now. It's not just ownership, man. They haven't beaten them since 2015. Think about how we feel about the Royals organization right now. The fact that they have more recently won a World Series than the Denver Broncos have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Tells you a lot about their frustration. I like that the Chiefs have absolute rent-free ownership over someone. They do. I mean, there is nothing different to do. This guy is openly admitting that he doesn't care about anything else that happens to the team, except he hopes to one day be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Just once, man. And honestly, it doesn't even feel like they're particularly close to accomplishing that goal yet. I understand that they got a little bit close in a game or whatever this year. And so you feel like, oh, maybe we're going to do it. But that you've lost 15 consecutive times. That's so hard to imagine. Like, there were times. I mean, in- Von Miller, uh, what was it, a couple years ago? There was a soundbite of Von Miller, who's a future Hall of Famer. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't bitching and moaning about a particular play that Chiefs ran. But he he acknowledged, right, you know, that that was basically a goal of them to finally yeah. beat. And this was, by the way, that was three years ago or two years ago. Here we are in 2023, and we're still talking about this. I think going. the reason, like, I think a lot of reason why that play kind of reverberated amongst players in the league or the analysts who wanted to, like, cry foul is because they hate how much fun it is for the Chiefs. Because here's the actual thing about the play to know. They did something that was confusing to the defense, that correctly confused the defense, and it led to a scoring play. I understand that the hold non-penalty it. hold called it back. I didn't see the hold. It doesn't matter. But it worked, right? The play worked. And they're mad because the Chiefs did something to confuse a defense that worked, and they had fun doing it. Well, that's what happens when you're the number one offense in the entire NFL. The thing I would point out about Kansas City is they don't go out of their way just to stick it to Denver on this. They ran a confusing motion play in a 3 nothing Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers for a score. So they'll do this anytime, anywhere. This is the bag of tricks of Andy Reid. This has nothing to do with sticking with Denver in particular. If it was that, then Mahomes would have thrown it behind his back. That would have been sticking it to Denver a little bit. This is just a matter of they are frustrated that they can't get past Kansas City. And honestly, I'm not sure they ever will. When's the next time you think Denver is going to be cable? I mean, they better obviously better quarterback some, play. I mean, obviously at some point it's going to happen. Well, they've like got a top five pick this year, so they could end up drafting a quarterback. Oh, no, no, they traded them. Yeah. Fortunately, that will be Seattle. I totally forgot about that Seattle, trade. Yeah. Seattle made Did you guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Russell Wilson was involved in it. Yeah. How do you think it feels to trade your starting quarterback, then go to the postseason instead while also getting a top five pick? It's like a pretty good nice deal job, for John Seattle. Schneider and Seahawks. Props to them, seriously. Turned out way better than I thought.
Is that trade going to get talked about? Like the Herschel Walker trade is one of the single most lopsided trades. Well, in here's NFL how history. it would be. Here's how it will be. If the top so five far, pick. it's already bad. If they end up drafting a franchise quarterback <laughs> with that top five pick, if they get CJ Stroud and, and he's, he's just aces, yeah, that's it. then it's like not only did you give up this pick, pay this quarterback $245 million. Turns out he's the worst quarterback in the NFL, but that draft pick that you traded to get him ended up being like a 15 year starter for them. <laughs> yeah, right. Pro Bowler, Hall of Fame guy. Yeah. That would be how it ends up being the worst trade ever. Honestly, actively rooting for it at this point. Well, well yeah. Well, yeah. I just yeah. like to dig Can in. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. Like, I'm hoping next year, like, there, there's not a team that has to get off to a good start more quicker, like, next year than. Because we already know the right? offseason's going to suck. We like, already know they're yeah. going to have so a, saying, Unless like, they, they draft, like, or unless they hire Jim Harbaugh. It's going to be a horrible offseason because they, they can't do he, anything. He's positioned himself to work he, in week one, even. If he looks bad for, like for one one game out of 18 next year, week one, if it's a bad start, it's already like all this stuff. Is, I mean, it, they have to have a good week one. I don't know. We don't know what the schedule is. The Broncos have to win slash Russ look good week one or everybody's going to say, oh, new head coach, same damn problem. The quarterback sucks. They need week one more and, than any and other team next not year. Not even knowing who they play, I'm going to assume they're going to lose that game. Yeah, it doesn't Because they look bad against everyone. The thing is, like, I like that they're considering Sean Payton. You're like, do you really think that you should be giving up draft assets right now? Does that you should be acquiring them? It's, it's, uh, I would not be giving up the very few draft assets you have in order to procure a coach. Maybe just find a different coach. What's also enjoyable about it though is because for so many Chiefs fans, John Elway. Oh, the Broncos stuck it to for a long time. Won a couple Super Bowls in the yeah. '90s too. Yeah, they won like, back-to-back Super Bowls yeah. in the '90s, like destroyed the chiefs. So there is truth that it eventually, you, you know, sometimes it does circle back around, but uh, Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old. Not ending anytime soon. Elway was enemy number one and still is for a lot of people. But Patrick Mahomes is going to do the same thing for another 10 to 15 years to you. Pretty much. Well, because of like the age difference, if you're our age all the way down to like first grade and you're a Denver's fan, you're a Denver fan. Mahomes will be your most hated yeah. Kansas City Chief player for your entire life. Absolutely, it's going to span a seventy because you're still mentioning John Elway because that's still your least favorite Denver Broncos player of all time. And seeing how bad they are, you're not likely to get a different candidate nope. for that anytime soon. That's the Chiefs Red Half Hour coming up next. We'll get to what's trending and something that was said during the broadcast on Saturday and what it actually means if this player actually is this. We'll tell you who it is next. You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.